You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Hello and welcome to Acting Up, the podcast that dives deep into the world of TV and film that highlights our people, our culture, and our stories. I'm your host, Courtney Wills, Entertainment Director at The Griot, and this week, we're sitting down with Yvonne Orji. Welcome back for another episode of Acting Up. This week we have the always lovely and ever so talented Yvonne Orji, who's debuting her second HBO comedy special, A Whole Me, on October 1st. Filmed in downtown Los Angeles, the Emmy-nominated actor, best known for her role as Molly on HBO's Insecure, returns to the stage after her first special, Mama, I Made It, made quite the splash. This time around, she's serving up a unique mashup of stand-up comedy and scripted vignettes, showcasing her range and vulnerability, and also diving into how she was affected by the COVID lockdown and why she's feeling more whole than ever. We also get into other things that Yvonne is working on from developing projects from the continent to directing her first short recently and kind of figuring out what life is like after Insecure. We've got all that on more coming up. So let's jump right in. Oh my gosh. It's so good to see you. It's been a while since we last spoke and this new comedy special is so much fun. I loved it. Thank you so much. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yes. I feel like it's a it was kind of a new day for you and your material. I felt like you were way more, I don't know, like in your bag. Like it was very authentic. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) thank you. I'll take that. Yeah, it's I I call it grown-up comedy. You know, it was just more reflective, you know, Mm -hmm. it has it has levels, right? The first part I'm just talking a lot about the healing, the journey, um, what I learned and unlearned. And then, you know, the Right around the 23, 24 minute mark, it's like we ramp up the fun because I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm an upper kind of comedian, you know, mm-hmm. so it, I, I can't let it go too low. Yes. When we spoke about your first special, I think it was really like, OK, what what are we going to get from from you separate from what everyone knows of Insecure and what everyone uh, knows about the stuff, you know, the older stuff with Lovey, like who is Yvonne? as a comedian. And then the second one rolls around and it just seemed like you were a bit more comfortable, you know, and confident like in your skin. And I wondered if you thought that that was more a result of having one under your belt or more a result of the introspection that came with like COVID lockdown. I think it's a little bit of both. You know, the first one, you're just kind of like, Oh my God, I gotta make it good. You know, <laughs> like, what am I going to say? Like, I mean, I think for me, Actually, the second one brought a little bit more nerves. The first one, I've been doing stand-up for years. So people just didn't know I was a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. So, But it was just the logistics of it all. Like, okay, camera here. And then, like, and then I'm going back home to Nigeria. And then, like, I really want this to be the one that, like, puts, puts me on the map, puts Nigeria on the map. And so that was the, you know, the, the pressure with the first one. The pressure with the second one was more like, oh, man, I, I, it's, it's not even that I have to top the first one. It's that I hope people will understand that this is the same one. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because that's the thing, you know, the sophomore album. It's like I hope people will understand that things are similar, some things are different. And the way that I'm approaching them is because of all the introspection that I had in the pandemic. And I am, like you said, a little bit more in my bag now. Um, and so it was the, I knew exactly what I wanted it to look like. 
I knew like the color scheme. I knew uh, that I wanted to do, like I sold it to HBO as African and Living Color. I was like, I kind of just want to do African and Living Color. I was like, I, I mostly wanted to do, wanted to do more sketches, more of the, in, um, the inserts that you saw. And then like HBO was like, cool, 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 cool. But where's the stand-up? And I was like, oh, y'all yeah, still want that. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> let me get on this tour. <laughs> and so that's why you're you're kind of getting a little bit of everything that I envisioned um, all at once. And, uh, and then there's the part of me hoping like, I hope, I hope we uh, executed correctly. Yes, yes. So here you are, this new special under your belt. And it's like life after Insecure for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that like as, you know, on the acting side? Well, you know, I think what I was able to do with the special is bring some of my acting chops to it. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm in, I'm in all of the, I'm in all of the, uh, the breakouts that you will see, um, the vignettes. And, you know, I'm also able to give, I also kind of step more into my uh, producerial hat by giving other, some unknowns a chance, people that I have known and some other uh, pe- some people in other parts of the world know very well, like Chi Girl, like Namo, but not on a large scale. So for me, I'm like being able to produce, put on that hat and like bring them in and like HBO be able to trust me to be like, they're going to sell it. You know, Neoma, I saw her on, on on Instagram and I was just like, I think she's so funny. I followed her and some, some things we were writing for specific people in mind. Um, so I think life after, life after Insecure is letting people know, like, I can do drama. I can do comedy. I can do producing. I can do writing. You know, so it's just like I'm even more further in my bag, as, as the young people say. These days. Yes. <laughs> do you feel um, do you feel any pulled in any one direction more than the other, whether it's producing or whether it's wanting to jump into um, you know, drama roles. Like now that Molly is behind us and, you know, when you have a character like Molly that people are so invested in and a show that people are so invested in, I think I talk to a lot of actors in that position who feel like, you know, I don't want to be typecast and I don't want people to see me in new things and be like, oh, it's Molly in this drama, <laughs> you, you know? And like, that's something that sometimes they feel a need to fight against. Um, and I wondered do you feel pulled in any one direction of like, this is really what I want to sink my teeth into next? I think for me, you know, you can't control what people would think. Like some people really thought Molly was real and wanted to fight her season four. And I was like, wait a minute. Hi, <laughs> it's just me guys. So you can't control how people will perceive you. Even if you do other things for me, it's just more doing the things that feel most right for me. Right. So if, if it is a drama, then I, but I'm just like, okay, not just going to do a drama. Just because like, it'll be something different. It's like, okay, well, what's the drama saying? Like, do I, do I resonate with it? Why am I the one playing this role versus anybody else? And so that's kind of where I am. Um, I just uh, directed my first short mm. and I'm very excited. Yes. With Paul Feig's company, uh, Powder Keg. Mm. So that was, that was, you know, like that was very exciting for me to do. Wow. Um, you know, Gerard Mulligan directed the, um, uh, the vignettes in the special but he was such a collaborative director. So when I'm telling him, like, here's what I see. Can we get the shot? That it, like, Because I, I see, when I'm creating, when I, I see it in my mind before it's ever, like, on the screen. And so he just allowed me to kind of, you know, get get in it, you know, get my feet wet in, in that respect. So when it was, was time to direct my short, 
I felt like I had a really good handle on like, all right, this is how we execute it because I had the vision. And so now it's like, oh yeah, no girl, all the decisions have to be made by you. And that was a little like, oh, okay, y'all wait for me. Um, you know, what do y'all think? No, y'all still want me to do. Okay. You know, so that was a different hat. It was a new hat, but I, I stepped into it and I really liked it. Um, but producing like right now I'm optioning a lot of IP books from the continent, books that I found very interesting. So I'm just like, well, how do I adapt this for TV and not just do it for like a local market, but bring African stories to the global market and be like, Hey, listen, you know, it's not the traditional Nollywood, but it has themes from Nigeria, from other countries in Africa. So that's, those are the things that really make me excited to jump right into. I'm so happy you said that, you know, um, content from the continent has been so front of mind really for a couple of years now, but there are so many people and entities, I think, finally really paying attention and willing to like invest time and dollars into developing those stories, whether we're talking about Netflix or like John Boyega's production company or the, yeah, the Amazon this weekend, the woman King is opening. And like, I'm so, have you seen it yet? Not yet, not yet, not yet. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I wish that you had seen it so we could talk about it. But <laughs> I mean, I'm so excited. I know what we, how we are going to react to that film, but I'm so curious about how everyone else is going to respond to not only such a large scale and powerful story and representation, but one that is true. You know, Black Panther was so aspirational and, you know, Afrofuturism, and it was a superhero movie. And that was certainly a movement, but like, yo, this one is not about what we could be. It's about where we've been yeah, and like where, who we have been being. And I don't know if like the whole white world is actually ready for that, but I'm so excited. And I think it's really going to clear away and open a dialogue that we really need to have. I mean, we know that Africa is so rich in so many things, but entertainment is absolutely one of them. I mean, we're original storytellers. Like things before they were written down were told <laughs> uh, from grandfather to grandchild. And then, you know, legacy continues. I remember reading Mafara's um, Beautiful Daughter um, when I was a kid. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's just, a, it's just a, a fairy, not a fairy tale, but it's like an old wise tale. Um, but, you know, just about treating people well. But I remember just like, these characters are from Africa. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, there, there is that resurgence now, right? Like when you see the reactions of little brown kids watching the trailer for The Little Mermaid, it's like, <sighs> Ariel's brown like me, you know? I think so there's, there's a lot of stories being told from a different lens um, and a more inclusive lens. And I think, yeah, why not? It's time. And I think everyone is getting ready for it. So whether whether you're ready for it or not, it's here. It's happening. And I think they will make a lot of sense because they will make a lot of dollars. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And even, I mean, like in different aspects of entertainment, from like the music to uh, prospective films to writings, but also like shows examining the food, you know, on Netflix, like High on yeah. the Hog, you know, yeah. and they're coming back. And like, I'm seeing so many more um, like pop-up restaurants here in LA and in New York, like catching on and like saying an African food, like people know what jollof is now. And they, that was, they didn't. That they was, were selling jollof rice in um, Trader Joe's. And yeah. I have tagged on a lot of folks trying it and I'm like, mm, 
Okay, tell me, tell me how that goes. <laughs> tell me how that goes, because it's so intricate. And I was like, I, I, how, how do you? There's some, there's some foods that you can freeze and you, can, <laughs> you know, whatever. Jollof rice is not one of them. But yep. my my roommate gets a meal delivery, uh, and one of the meals was jollof rice. And I said, ooh, let's make it right now. So she made it. She was like, mm, okay, it's more just like tomato sauce. But right. you know, it's let's like just a fix flavor it of rice aroni. Oh, y'all, y'all can't just put red coloring and call yes. it jollof rice. It has to taste like it. Yes, <laughs> I have some in my pantry. Somebody sent me in some promo kit, and it is. It's like an instant. You know, add water and. You will have it. And I'm like, whoa, I think this is a no, but I get where you're going. And I think I kind if of appreciate ever, it. If you've ever watched African aunties cooking in the kitchen, you know that nothing is instant about it. <laughs> nothing, nothing is instant. You're like three hours later, auntie, you dinner already. Just give me one more hour. You're like, oh my God. Oh my, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yvonne, um, I could talk to you forever, but I know I have to let you go soon. I want to know like, what's been making you laugh like the Emmys just happened there were so many black people on that carpet there was a lot of celebration of comedy on that carpet and in that nominees list and I just feel like it's a a different time to be a comedian particularly a stand-up comedian like our sensitivities are really heightened but at the same time like there is a lot more access and opportunity for people to carve out their own lanes in comedy and so I wondered for you like is there a perceivable shift? And if so, like, what is the biggest change as a Black woman comedian navigating the industry now as, say, you know, five or, t- you know, five, 10 years ago? I mean, man, one of the last specials that really inspired me um, was Gerard's. And I was so happy that he got a win. But Daniel was like it. I remember because we were working on um, the vignette part of the special. Um, so I actually wrote my, this hour in one weekend and I wrote it the weekend after I watched with Daniel like two or three times. Cause I just was like, oh, so this is what, what's possible. This is what making a special special looks like. And mm-hmm. so it was at that point where I'm like, oh, I, I mean, I don't want to just tell jokes, <laughs> you know, like, and, and I, I get it. We need it. I mean, we're, we're going through a lot. Um, you know, and so you need some levity, but I was just like, what do I want to say? And I think after watching Gerard say what he wanted to say and how he wanted to say, it got me thinking like, what do I want to say? And I literally had one phone call with a friend of mine who we, you know, been talking throughout the whole pandemic about just growth and change and things that are different. And I was like, yo, what, what, that, what happened? And literally in that, after I got on the phone with him, I wrote down for hours and I was just like, all right, let's figure out which which of these 10 pages <laughs> will make it to 60 minutes worth of material. And that was that's what I feel like art should do. It should motivate you. It should inspire you. It should it should make your heart sing. And for me, that's what Rathaniel did. And, you know, Hassan, uh, Hassan Minaj and I are really good friends. And I loved his specials and I saw him perform and I was just like, you're a genius. Like I cannot wait for people to see his new special. He's just so clever and what, how he presents his material is so inspiring. And so I really had like Hassan and and Gerard and I just was like, yeah, I, I don't look at myself as like a female comic or this or all of the, I'm just like, what do I want to say that is real for me? but also like real for whoever's coming. And like, you know, in the special, 
when you when it got deep and I'm like, y'all, y'all come back, y'all went to church. It was like, it was like that the whole time I was touring, like people were given a moment to to sit in their own thing. And I think that's what happens. Like sometimes when life gets really hard, we don't want to sit in it. That's why the pandemic was so rough for a lot of people. It was like, we would rather be at work or doing anything else, but like, I got to sit with myself. What if I don't like me? And it's like, well, that's this is the whole point of becoming a whole me was one, it was a callback from the first special, but it was the fact that like, I became the most truest, realest, wholest version of myself these last two years. And I, it was work. It was hard. But I love her and she's not going anywhere. And she may look different two years from now, but it will come from the same place of evolution. Um, and so that's that that was, you know, we talk about what makes me laugh, you know, I, I feel or what what I'm inspired by. I'm like, I'm inspired by just honesty and and from a well of betterment, improvement, thriving. It's like, you know, what is what does thriving look like for people? Because I know people who have lots of money and big houses, they're not thriving. We're just rich. Two different, two different uh, words. Um, and so I'm, I'm really fascinated, interested, inspired by the people who um, go in to come back out. Oh, I love that, Yvonne. That is such a perfect spot to end at. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. And I'm so excited for this new special and everyone to see it and to see what's next from you. Yes. Thank you. And congratulations on the babies. Thank December you. what? When is your due date? Because I'm I'm a December baby. December 2nd. That's my birthday. Stop. Really? Birthday. Oh Your babies are about to be sad. You're about to have two kids on December 2. Oh. And I like this for you. Yes, I like it for me too. Oh, wonderful. So good to see you. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Acting Up. Download the Creo app to listen to Acting Up and other great podcasts. See you soon.